Pittsburgh Steelers fans. It is time for the second half of the Curtain Call podcast. If you haven't listened to part one yet, and if you're not listening live, make sure you go back and check out part one. That was probably the most fun I've, I've had on one of these podcasts in a lot, long, well, probably ever, honestly. They laughed a lot in that, but it's to be expected with the with all the punter talk. Not as much punter talk in the second half, but uh, Jeffrey, if you want to round out uh, that for that first half of the show, uh, how did you feel with our with our with our guest uh, joining us? <laughs> that's that's uh, my first time on a podcast with Jeff Hartman, so it was fun. I had a lot of fun. I, I think I've gotten everyone. Uh, I haven't been on with uh, Big Brosco, and I think he is it. The only person I haven't been on a podcast with. I, I haven't run with the with the Aussies or uh, Tony yet, so I, I think that's uh, that's that's would be next on uh, the list for me. Have Have you uh, done anything, Tony? I don't remember. This is terrible because <laughs> I know my like Brian was telling me something about my first, and I was like, that was my first podcast. When was that? Like, what did I? I didn't remember it at all. So it's quite possible Tony was on that one. I don't know. Like, I, I feel terrible because. Because after a certain point, I don't remember things. Like I'm just like I don't know what happened. It was it was like months ago. Who knows? Hey, up here in the Pacific Northwest, we're in the middle of like the craziest heat wave to ever happen in this part of the world, and uh, I, I forget what happened five minutes ago. Let alone what happened a couple months ago. So <laughs> <laughs> just sweating away up here. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do it in Fahrenheit. I think I think it reached like 120. It feels like way hotter than that. Uh, a couple days ago, so it's been toasty up here in Canada, which uh, probably a lot of people wouldn't expect, but yeah, it's quite warm. But <laughs> aside from that, uh, Steelers talk, we should get back to that. That I guess that's what uh, why we're here. Of course, a <laughs> week ago, uh, it was announced that the Pittsburgh Steelers w- were not going to be going to Latrobe literally the day minutes after our show pretty much concluded. It, it happened the very next morning. We get that announcement. Uh, for Latrobe not hosting uh, the Steelers for a second consecutive year. I want to get your initial thoughts on that, and as well as my kind of assumption on all this was because we see all these other teams being able to go places for training camp. And the way some of the players reacted, and by the way a lot of them didn't react at all, I I think the players are kind of happy about it. Do you you have any initial reaction about it not – the team not going away for camp, and do you think this could be kind of player based? Why it didn't happen? I, I doubt it's player based. But one thing to think about is the sheer number of players who have not been to Latrobe on this a team. Lot. Like, there's a good number that have not done it. So, uh, yeah, there it's. And to me, I I think on the player side, I don't I don't know. Uh, we've always heard like from a lot of the veterans they. They kind of love it and they kind of hate it. Like they hate being away from their family. They hate living in the dorms. But at the same time, like you, you love leaving Latrobe because you've had this great experience as a team. You've had this bonding, but actually being at Latrobe kind of stinks. It's kind of like, kind of like what it is. And I, and it makes sense why the team would do it. You, you want that bonding. You want people get away from your family, get away from all the other stuff. Come here, and it's football. You know, give us like decent chunk of your summer uh, where you're just here and it's just football. So I, I can understand why players would be like, Hey, you know what? I'd rather be around my kids. I can get practice in and then go home to my family. You know uh, I can see why that would be the case. Um, but I, I, it's kind of half and half, you know, is my opinion. 
No, I, I do believe uh, teams like Dallas uh, and Kansas City, I, I do believe the players stay in like luxury hotels compared to Latrobe being like crappy dorms, for lack of a better term. I feel like that might have a little bit on it. Like if you if you forget to like pack a mattress, which like, you know, like it's probably not something you think of. But if you're just on a, a little piece of foam in the college dorm and you're a rookie and that's not what you're thinking about, I'm sure that could probably ruin the experience a little bit. But do you think there's any mega difference from practicing at Latrobe, being at Heinz Field outside of that kind of camaraderie thing? Probably not. Probably not. They've got state-of-the-art. It's probably a better place uh, at the Steeler facilities. I know they've put a lot of money into Latrobe just to have the stuff that they need to make sure they're not really going without, but they're still not having all their stuff they don't have all their you know you don't have your locker room you don't have all the the stuff you're used to you know it's a little different uh so yeah i i don't i don't think it'll affect performance uh but i know it's a huge deal for the fans latrobe is such a big deal for fans because you really have great access to the practice you can watch everything you can see people you can yell at players and they'll come over to the fence uh, which is exactly, in my opinion, why it wasn't going to happen and didn't happen. Why they didn't get permission because you can't, you can't keep track and control the fans, right? The fans are an uncontrolled element at Latrobe. There's a, and it's one of the best things about it is how close and personal you can be with the team. But at the same time, you know, with I, another thing I do is I, I listen to a lot of stats stuff, and I've been listening to a lot on the you know COVID nineteen for the past year or so. They're expecting there might be you know problems this summer, and the NFL looks at that and says, you know what, if you if you can't guarantee distance between the fans and players to the point that we you know that there could be something in a worst case scenario, a team gets sick again. The NFL doesn't want that again. That was a nightmare last year. They did better than you know people thought they were going to do, and it was still bad. It still is not what you want. Those Ravens games and the Steelers games getting moved around, and then like you know Joe Hayden missing because of COVID. Uh, they don't want that. They don't want that. That affects your money. That affects your product on the field. So that's out. If you can't control it, then don't do it. Do you have any like pent up feelings towards other teams that were allowed to go? Like, do you care at all that other teams go? And historically, the Steelers always do this, and again, they're they're told no. No, I. Most of these people, most of the places they go, they're not going where there's fan access. There's not. They're not going where, you know, they they have that kind of closeness with the public. So it it makes sense to me. The, the it's just the NFL looking out for their money. That's all it is. Yeah, and I, I I totally get it too. But there was some other news that we should also get into because uh, there was a few kind of things that branched off it as well. From the last time we talked, of course, David DeCastro was released, Trey Turner signed, and there's been a bunch of stories that kind of revolved around that. To, to kind of start things off from square one, though, do you think Trey Turner could be better than David DeCastro in 2021? Is there any sort of comparison? Because I know they're both kind of in the same situation, both kind of very unhealthy last year, try and get healthy. Trey Turner supposedly is 100% according to himself, uh, so take that however you will. 
Uh, David DeCastro, we know, is a, on the precipice of another ankle surgery. Do you think Trey Turner could be an upgrade? If he's healthy, yeah. Over what we had last season at the end with David DeCastro, where, I mean, there were games he was awful. There were games he just, you could tell that this wasn't there. His game was not there. Uh, stuff was just affecting him enough that he wasn't good. Um, so Trey Turner has that chance, but at the same time, he had a groin injury, right? And in Steelers history, we've had a couple of players in my time, a couple of really good players, Jerome Bettis, uh, started going downhill with his groin injury. He lost a lot of agility, and that's where he kind of fell off as that big, agile guy that he had been for so long. He lost a bit of his quickness. He lost a bit of agility with that groin injury. He wasn't the same guy, and he had to reinvent himself. And he, he, he that's where he started that kind of a decline into being a backup running back and then reinvented himself just as a straight-up power runner his last couple of years because he couldn't move like he did before. Uh, Lamar Woodley's the other one. Everyone talks about he got that new contract and then he, you know, he stopped working out. But that's that's not really true. He was having a phenomenal season. He had a he had a groin injury and he was never the same again. He was never the same player again after that groin injury. Now I know medicine has improved even in the last ten years significantly. I know that, uh, but and I know other players do. I know a lot of players make it back from groin injuries, but there's a couple of examples there where players were just never the same guy again. So I, I have concerns about Trey Turner. Uh, I hope he's one of the guys that makes it all the way back. Uh, but it, it could be a thing that haunts him for the rest of his career. And he's just never that guy again. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, you didn't see teams signing him. And he signed with the Steelers for 3 million after being a pro bowl guard. Like, you know, that's, that's something teams are wary of. Yeah, five consecutive years as a Pro Bowl guard, gets traded and hurt, misses one year, and now is a $3 million player. Crazy. Um, past him, what will you remember most about David DeCastro? Hmm. The Le'Veon Bell years. Like, to me, it's it's Just DeCastro, dominant. Pouncey, and Foster. Like, they're together. They were so great in those Le'Veon Bell years. Their inside zone runs, they were phenomenal. They were the anchor of the lines. Uh, I always laugh when people talk about the Steelers need an upgraded tackle. The Steelers don't invest as much a tackle. A lot of teams out there invest a lot in their tackles. The Steelers don't. The Steelers are always built from the inside of the line. And if they want to run outside, they can pull somebody. You know, they, they, they're not afraid to do that. And they really build from the inside out. So that, that interior line, DeCastro, Pouncey, Foster was so good for so long. And how just, with Le'Veon Bell, they they were just dominant. They just dominated the NFL more than more than even Ben Roethlisberger. Like as good as Ben was, as good as Ben is, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, best quarterback the Steelers have ever had. He's even better than Bradshaw. So don't don't get me wrong here. I'm not criticizing Ben Roethlisberger or downplaying how good he is. But that interior offensive line, those three guys were better. Like together, they were more impactful on games than even Ben Roethlisberger. They were phenomenal. Uh, so for me, that's that's DeCastro's legacy. It's tied right in uh, with Pouncey and Ramon Foster and how good those guys were in their prime. Yeah, I, as someone who considers himself a jersey collector, the only offensive line jersey I've ever owned, David DeCastro. Um, one of my favorite players, of course, I was a center uh, during my playing days. It never got a Pouncey, but uh, David DeCastro, I, I think because uh, pretty local in comparison, 
uh, just a short like two hour trip down the road to get to where DeCastro's from, going to Stanford. I watched him play all of his career in college. Of course, Andrew Leck was on that team, so you could watch Stanford every single week if you wanted to, especially in the West Coast. And then to see him get drafted, the Steelers, that was honestly the happiest I've ever been for a Steelers draft pick. Uh, when he was falling down the draft board, I remember, and remember, 10 years ago, I was, what, like 15, I was, like, chanting, like, DeCastro's name. I was like, oh, my God, we're going to get David DeCastro. Then it happened. I just remember blowing up because I, I, we just got one of the best guards in football, and he fell all the way to 24. How, how did that happen? Thank you, God. <laughs> that was that actually – that year I was on Behind the Steel Curtain in our, uh, our draft, like, live uh, article, like, live chat. I was – in that with a lot of the other behind the steel curtain people. And we were all, everyone, everyone was like, holy crap, DeCastro keeps falling. Come on. And like when he passed the last team that was really looking for a guard, we were all freaking out. Every And when we got him, uh, that was a huge deal. So really like, yeah, David DeCastro is that guy because we all sat there and we're like, holy crap, are we going to get him? Like we can get him. And then he lived up to it. You know, he had that injury his first season, but after that he was a stud every year. Yeah. And, I, I'll always remember it. Detroit had the pick before the Steelers. I was like, we're going to get Riley Reef or David DeCastro. And then so, so how it played out, Reef went to the Lions. We get DeCastro. The rest is history. Uh, but beyond that, getting back to today, dude, there have been some stories that have branched out from DeCastro uh, getting released. And one of those things that keep getting brought up, especially by Mike Florio at nauseum, is will the Pittsburgh Steelers lose a pick or some sort of financial uh uh, fine, I guess. It's a financial fine is the best way to put it. But uh, do you think that makes any sense? I know there's been stories that have ran it behind the steel curtain.com, a ton of uh, dialogue in our Slack channel. To me, it doesn't make any sense. As uh, Dave Schofield, the uh, editor of Behind the Steel Curtain, has said, it, it just like you would have to list injuries from if someone got injured as a rookie, then you have to list that forever. Do you agree with that? Do you think the Steelers should be worried about some sort of pick problem because they didn't talk about uh, David DeCastro's ankle injury in the injury reports last year? Well, the big thing, the big thing is he signed a clean bill of health at the end of the season. Um, so this is not legally, right? Legally, whether it's true or not, legally, this is a separate issue, Right. He was fine at the end of last season, and then he re-aggravated it or something happened in the offseason, and now he needs surgery. Um, that's from that legal perspective. Could they get fined? I think it's going to be hard for the NFL to find them. It isn't like uh, it isn't like the, the Ben Roethlisberger 2019 fine uh, when he was injured in week one. Missed practices in week two. That. Right. Sorry. Yeah, missed <laughs> practices heading into week two. And they listed him as missing practices for non-injury reasons. And then after his after week two, when he went out, he talked about he missed practice and he was being evaluated. He missed practice and they were looking at his elbow. Like, you can't say they're checking out his injury and he's going to miss practice while they're looking at this injury to see how bad it is and then say, oh, he missed practice for non-injury-related reasons. That's a fine, right? David DeCastro, they listed him as knee. Uh, when he missed practices, it was a knee. So a nagging ankle, that's not, that's not going to cut it. Like, that's not going to cut it. You consider 2017, they actually got away 
with listing Le'Veon Bell missing practice, three practices in two weeks uh, as being not injury-related when he was hurt. Uh, he had that groin injury in the playoffs, the 2016 playoffs, and he ends up getting pulled out of the New England game. He had missed two practices that week for non-injury reasons. They didn't get fined for that one. So I really don't think you're going to see the Steelers uh, get, especially lose a draft pick. You could see the, I could see the NFL being like, look, this has gone on too much. You know, this is your third incident. Obviously they only find them for one of them, but this is your third incident in only a couple of years here. Like we're going to find you. I can't imagine them losing a draft pick. That would, Steelers are too well liked for that. They have enough clout in the in the NFL still. I don't think that would ever happen. Yeah, at the at the very least, I, I could I, I guess I could understand a fine, but even then, I, I feel like that would be too much. I, I I see no punishment for this. It doesn't make any sense to me. The other story that we definitely have to get to, though, of course, I'm going to take a stab at saying his name, Dayan Kovacevic from DK Pittsburgh Sports. I uh, had a story about. Trey Turner signing originally and why the Pittsburgh Steelers brought him in from a source in the Steelers facility uh, saying that originally Trey Turner was brought in because they didn't think the Steelers coaches, that is, didn't think Kevin Dotson was in football shape. Uh, of course, I was disputed by a lot of people. Uh, trainers posted pictures of uh, Kevin Dotson looking pretty shredded for a 300 pounder. I, I, I don't know. What were your kind of initial thoughts on, on reading that? And what do you make of this story? Well, I, I got a few thoughts. Uh, one thing I know, I know people who have worked with and know uh, Dejan Kovacic, and I know ones who don't like him, but will still tell you, you know, if he says someone told him that, he has a source, and they told him that. And he was saying it's the same guy who was telling him about the David DeCastro situation, all this stuff. So there's some clout there. I don't disbelieve. I don't think this is a media guy making stuff up just to, to get clicks. Uh, and the second reason I can say that is if, if this, he, he buried it in a David DeCastro article, right? This wasn't a big break. This wasn't something he was getting clicks on. It, it was behind the paywall. It was in a DeCastro article, almost as a side note. Right, that they had originally brought in Trey Turner because they were concerned about David, uh, Kevin Dotson, and even in his thing, he was like, I, "That's crazy to me that they would say that." Um, but also, but also, I think this it could be legit. I think you could see this as being legit from the Steelers side. Uh, I, have, I have a little story I like to tell here. Uh, a guy I grew up with, uh, he was a, he was a, my my friend's dad. He was a Mister Football in Florida in the '60s. He was a running back. And he he had stayed in pretty good shape. Like he had had tryouts with the Pirates and the Steelers after he moved up here to, to Pittsburgh in, in the 60s before Chuck Knoll. This, I want to clear that up. In the 60s before Chuck Knoll, he is in his 20s and he had some tryouts, but he, he didn't make the t- he didn't make it. But he talked a story about he would he would go to the YMCA. He had a group of guys they worked out together, um, played basketball stuff like that. They went there one day, they're getting ready to play basketball, and there's this guy just running laps around the gym, right? And they end up a player short, and he's like, and they were talking, they're like a player short, and he's like, hey, you guys, if you need an extra player, I'll play. Comes in, plays pickup basketball with them, like runs circles around. The guy's just an incredible athlete, incredible physical shape. Then when they're tired and they take a break, he goes back to running. They come back out, play again. He goes straight from jogging, like, like actual jogging and sprinting and doing his runs, 
to playing with them again, all this does it for like two hours. And when they leave, he goes back to running some more, right? Talk to the guy later, finds out he's an offensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills. And the crazy thing is that guy got cut that year for not being in good enough shape, right? He wasn't in NFL conditioning form. And this story takes place in like the, the eighties, right? Uh, so NFL conditioning and someone being in good shape, like we think, oh, if you're not, if you fail in NFL conditioning, if you're not in NFL shape, you know, you're, you're, you're lazy and you're overweight. No, like conditioning is a very, they're, they're talking about very specific things you need to be working on. Right. And if you're not working hard enough to balance and, and make sure you have all these things covered, you can be in trouble and you can do things like get soft tissue injuries, you know, stuff like that can happen. So I can believe that the Steelers are worried about the direction he was taking in his training early on and said, you know what, let's schedule a visit with this guy, bring him in, you know, just do our due diligence in case something happens with Dotson and we need a last minute replacement. We already have our due diligence done, which is something the Steelers always do. They always have lists of names. They always have those guys that they can call on in, in, a, in an emergency situation. And then the David DeCastro thing happens. They get word back from the doctors, whoa, David DeCastro is not going to be playing. Let's bring in Trey Turner. I think it's quite possible that the Kevin Dotson thing is legit, uh, but I'm not worried about it. I don't think it's a real like thing that they were concerned about. And honestly, if if Dejan thought that was a legit story, right? If he thought that was a big news story, he would have pushed it. It would have been a headline. He would have pushed it. He had been trying to make money off that story because that's a huge story. You know, Kevin Dotson, not in shape. We're expecting to be a starter. That would be a huge story. He would have pushed it. He didn't. I think mostly it's a situation where, you know, the word coming out from there, from the from his inside source, probably is a little exaggerated. You know, he drops it down being like, whoa, this is weird, whatever. Drops it into a story and people read it, take it out of the story, take it out of the context and say, whoa, Kevin Dotson's out of shape. And that's not really that's not really the thing that they're looking at. I, I, I think I think it's mostly just a, a thing that's blown up on social media because of the nature of social media. Yeah. I, again, I, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. Um, with the Steelers offensive line, we have seen a ton of turnover. Basically no one's starting at the same spot they were at a year ago. Uh, Kevin Dotson, of course, is going to be like a, a first time full-time starter. Uh, you got guys coming back from injuries. You got rookies. You got brand new players. Are you worried at all about the the turnover on specifically at the offensive line? I know there's a few spots that are going to be very different, but basically it's a completely brand new offensive line. Uh, a lot of people want to write the Steelers off because of it, but do you have any concern about it? Well, there is no one on this line that entered the season has entered a season as a starter. And then played like significant time. The only returning week one starter we have is, well, I mean, pre preseason, like the guy who was supposed to start was Banner. Banner won the job. He didn't even finish the first week. He was out for the season before the first game ended. So this is, this is game two of his starting career will be week one, right? At right tackle. Chooks Okorafor entered the season as the swing tackle. He was forced to start. He started most of the season. But this is his first time coming in, penciled in, being like, hey, we need you to be the starter here. 
There's not really a competition. There's not a true competition for that job. It's his. You got Kevin Dotson, first year being a starter. B.J. Finney, first year being a starter. If Kendrick Green takes over, obviously first year being an NFL starter for him. Right guard, brand new people. No, Nobody was on the team last year. Nobody playing right guard was on the team last year unless, oh, for goodness sakes, if J.C. Hassenhauer has to start or, you know, B.J. Finney has to start at guard, then, like, then, <laughs> then yeah, that's a problem. Uh, and then, you know, Banner's back at right tackle. That's It's like a mixture of guys who need to step up, either, you know, young guys who need to step into a bigger role or guys who haven't had these roles need to step into them. And then on the other side, you have guys that are trying to make it back to where they used to be. You've got Banner, you've got Trey Turner trying to make it back to a form they used to be. Even B.J. Finney, last year was a, 2020 was a disaster for him. He's trying to get back to the 2019 guy who got a good contract because he played four games. He started three times for Marquise Pouncey and looked like a starter. He looked like a quality NFL lineman. And so teams were like, yeah, we'll get him. He can be a starter for us. And he's trying to get back to that form. You know, Banner's trying to get back. Trey Turner's trying to get back. And a bunch of other guys are trying to step into roles they haven't had. So there's a lot. There's a lot of question marks. You want to say there's more question marks on the Steelers' offensive line than any other team? Well, yeah. Every position is too deep with question marks. Oh, man. It, that's that's one of the, the big things entering this, this season. It, like, offensive line, if they're all as good as their potential – would determine and like reach the levels that they've already reached before and just do it in a full season and be healthy. This could be a really good offense line and everyone will be like, how did that happen? But then if, if the injury things continue and the guys aren't ready to start in spots and Hassenauer has to play, like we mentioned, it could be a very long season. And like, that's just the unfortunate part of this. And it's really hard to predict the Steelers team because we don't – they're like, there's so many question marks, like you said. Like, if the offensive line's good, look out, because this team could be a juggernaut then, because then they'd have a great offense to go along with that great defense. If the offensive line sucks, well, we better start winning games 10-3, you know, and yeah. that's that's a scary thing. With but a defensive thankfully. touchdown. Well, exactly. <laughs> well, that, that could only bail us out so many times in, what, 2019? Go that old, that old Chicago Bears – strategy of hope the defense outscores the other team's offense yeah don't even get me started on that what i think about the the bears and specifically the 85 bears because people don't like my take on that being the most overrated team of all time but anyway anyway uh <laughs> moving on to some some other stuff the, the last thought of the show really um the steelers of course picked up a little bit more than five million bucks after uh dropping to castro and adding trey turner now sit with a decent amount of cash in their pocket, do you think any of that is spent before training camp? Probably not. I don't know. Like, who's out there? Do you know who? Do you, like, I haven't looked really who's still out there. The only – there's two things that I could kind of see. One, it, there's no way a team's going to cut a good edge rusher. So yeah. I feel like, all right, like if they really do want to improve their third edge rusher position – like Justin Houston's still there. Like he had eight sacks last year. And if he's willing to play for five or less million bucks, I, I would, I would consider it. The only other thing I would think of is if like Steven Nelson curled back on his hands and knees and said, uh, I'll play for vet minimum, like Vince Williams, because no one actually wants me. 
I, like that's really the only two moves I, I I suppose could happen if Nelson wants to rebuild his bridges or if they actually are desperate for a third edge rusher. That's the only thing I could see happening before yeah. camp. D- does any of that I make sense? Houston. I would take Houston. Um, yeah, he'd have to go for that David Castro money. I know. I know. There's other money sitting there, uh, but when you look at what the Steelers typically do, that's that money's not going to get spent. That money's not exactly. going to be spent on players. Uh, so if he if he's willing to do it for five or even like six million, uh, then Justin Houston would make sense. That would give them a really nice trio. Like that, would, you could tell Justin Houston, hey man, yeah, we'll use you when you want to be used. We can tell Alex Highsmith, you know, you're going to drop into coverage and, and and defend the run a lot. Justin Houston can come in on obvious passing downs. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. There's there's no way that the Steelers are going to roll into the season, in my opinion, with more than, what, $13 million in cap space. I, I just can't see that happening, uh, especially for a team that's trying to win a Super Bowl at the end of these Big Ben years, as I throw up the air quotes for everyone listening, podcast platform. Why have all that money if you're trying to take a run at things when you still got Ben and you got Juju and pushed all this money in the future? If you're going to make a run, spend the money, improve the roster. Uh, so I anticipate a move will happen. If it's between now and July 23rd or between July 23rd and September 1st, I would probably go with the latter on that. But uh, as we have reached the top of the hour here, Jeffrey, is there anything you want to plug on our way out? Yeah, uh, the Vertex. Should be coming out here. It's a little later this week, but uh, with Dave and I do uh, is about the loss of Marquise Pouncey and uh, the replacement of potentially BJ Finney and what he brought in 2019. I get to dig into some 2019 BJ Finney film, some uh, Devlin Hodges uh, plays out there for you. If you want to relive a couple years ago. Um, yeah, go, go check it out. Uh, that's, that's all I have to plug. Perfect. Um, the last thing for me before we sign out here is I want to make sure everyone uh, tunes into the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Um, of course, we have those morning exclusive shows that you're only going to get wherever you, you listen to your podcast specifically. So therefore not on YouTube or Facebook. Um, like as this dropped today, uh, as this episode, I should say, drops on a Wednesday on the podcast platform side. You can also listen to Jeff Hartman's Less Ride. Uh, Of course, on Wednesdays, he has his mailbag. So make sure to check that out. Uh, Of course, already uh, uploaded was my live mic, uh, which dropped uh, on Tuesday, uh, looking at uh, the Steelers defense and expectations that I want to see them hit in order for this to be a very successful team in 2021. Outside of that, again, click over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. You'll find everything there from film rooms to analysis, breakdown, commentary. Heck, there could be a Tony uh, Defio story up there that could just make your blood boil, which if you want that, by all means, click on it. Tony can get the people going and, and we love them for it. So with all that being said, thank you for tuning in tonight for my co-host, Jeffrey Benedict. My name's Michael Beck. We'll see you guys soon.